Well, thank you again. Thank you guys for leading us and uh, thank you for again for your generosity uh, in the support of the Need Project. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me back to Psalm 67, which was the psalm that Noah read to us earlier on in our service, because we'll be thinking about Psalm 67 this morning. Psalm 67, <coughs> psalm 67 is a spirit-inspired call of, upon God's people to be passionately committed to God's worldwide mission to reach the nations for Christ so that they, like us, enjoy and delight and praise him. And today is harvest, Thanksgiving, the day we give thanks to God for his faithfulness, to his promise that he made, which Ben referred to, and has kept for millennia, in Genesis 8.22, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. So we're celebrating God's faithfulness, and we're also being called to engage with God in world mission. What's the connection between Harvest Thanksgiving and world mission? There is a connection, as I pray this psalm will show us. So let's ask God to speak to us and minister to us from this psalm. Father in heaven, we thank and praise you again for your incredible generosity to us moment by moment, day by day, week by week, month by year, month, year by year, you are faithful to your promises and you have provided everything that we need. But you also have a passion and a longing that the nations of the world might praise you. Inspire us, inflame us with that same passion, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a reference to harvest in verse 6. The, le- the land yields its harvest, God our God blesses us. And I think that's a strong connection. In all probability, this psalm was one that was sung during a harvest thanksgiving service in the Old Testament. But what we see here as well, it, it means therefore that the harvest thanksgiving is much, much more than celebrating the generous faithfulness of God, which of course it is, but as I want this psalm to show us, it is much bigger and more glorious than that. So again, thank you for your generous donations of food that you brought today. Every, part, every piece of that food that you've given us and continue to give us through the year will be used to help feed our hungry neighbours and which I can say are within, literally within walking distance of this church, many of them are. And also the funds that, are going to be, that have been collected today will be used for mission to help us reach our community, our nation, and our world with the gospel of Christ. Christ crucified, risen, reigning, and soon to return. Which is one of the reasons why the Need Project, the work and ministry of the Need Project, is located within the mission outreach of this church. It's a means by which we can show practical love and help by way of food parcels that are delivered to our neighbour's door with no strings attached. One of the things the Need Project does, it gives credibility to the gospel we preach. We love people enough to give them food with no strings attached. 
And I can share with you that there are many people across central Bedfordshire who have been so touched by the just the simple generosity of a food parcel when they most needed it that they've, it's led them to ask questions. Why do these Christians do this? And many of them now are worshipping the Lord in churches across central Bedfordshire. We praise God for that. As I was preparing this, for this message for this morning, um, I, I was convicted, deeply convicted. So, therefore, my prayer and my goal in this sermon is to inflame and ignite in me and in you a passion for God's worldwide praise, which will be accompanied, which will be accomplished by God's people obeying his call to worldwide mission as this psalm, this song, is God's call. He's calling us to embrace, engage and experience his saving purposes to reach the nations. In this psalm there are three things I want to draw out for you and they are these. Number one, God is calling us to embrace the gracious foundation of this prayer. Number two, God is calling us to engage with him to see him gloriously fulfilling this prayer. And number three, we are to, he's calling us to experience the generous foretastes of God answering this prayer. So let's work through this psalm together. So we are to embrace God's saving purposes in this psalm. May God be gracious to us and bless us <clears throat> and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Blessed to be a blessing is hardwired into God's saving purposes for the nations. That comes out multiple times in God's covenant relationship with his people. Verse 1 of the psalm, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, is taken from Numbers 6, 22, 27. Let me read those verses to you. This is what the Lord said to Moses. Tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. This is showing us the something of the Lord's heart towards his people. The Lord is showing his heart to us in this blessing that the high priest was meant to pronounce over the people of God. It shows us that God is a God who loves to bless his people. Significant as well that it is the responsibility of Aaron, who was the then high priest, and his sons to pronounce this blessing. And as we heard last Sunday evening, Aaron, the high priest, was pointing to the ultimate high priest, the Lord Jesus himself. He's a type of Christ, Aaron was. And all of his subsequent descendants who were appointed to the role of high priest were to pray this prayer for the people of God. Which is why the psalmist in Psalm 67 we don't know who wrote Psalm 67, takes this prayer up centuries later, therefore encouraging us to take up this prayer. It is right, therefore, to pray for God's blessing upon us. Notice the repeated reference in the 
prayer to the face of God. Bless us and make his face shine upon us. We find that reference to God's face repeated twice in the blessing in number six. What does it mean? When you think about this, if you, if you know anything about the story of Exodus and God bringing his people out, there was a time when Moses said, show me now your glory. And God said, you cannot see my face. No one can see my face because they'll die. And yet here, God is telling us to pray that his face might shine upon us. And he we're told to seek his face in Scripture. What does that mean? It means to seek his presence. To seek his face is to seek his presence. To have his face shine upon us is to fully delight in him for his sake. The face of God in the Old Testament means the presence of God. To, to enjoy and encounter and know God in an intimate way present with us. And that is pointing us supremely to the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 we read these words, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So in the Old Testament, asking God to make his face shine upon us was ultimately and totally fulfilled in the Lord Jesus dwelling amongst us. Some Christians find it hard to pray for God's blessing on their lives. It almost feels selfish to pray for God's richest blessing upon your lives. You shouldn't feel that. You have God's warrant to pray for God's blessing upon your lives and upon your family. That's verse 1. Verse 2 of the psalm takes us back to Abraham. The so that. Abraham, the reason God so richly blesses his people is so that. Genesis 12, 2 to 3 is what the psalmist has in mind when he pens verse 2 of the psalm. And in Genesis 12, 2 to 3, we read these words. The Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What this psalmist does is anchor his prayer in the great saving foundational purposes of God to bless his people so that through them, through us, he will bless the world. That's what I think the so that in verse 2 is so crucial. So that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. And so I was preparing this, it just dawned on me, that is not how or why I pray for God's blessing on myself, upon my family, upon my church family. That's not how I pray. That's not why I pray God's blessing upon us. 
as a church family. And that's wrong. That is wrong. We, sh- we have a biblical warrant to pray for God's blessing upon our lives. He wants to bless us, and he wants us to enjoy asking him to do what he wants us to wants we ask him to do for us. We must learn to pray passionately for God's blessing on our lives, for his grace in our lives, for his face, his presence, to be the all-satisfying treasure and pleasure of our lives. We have a biblical warrant to pray God's blessing upon our lives so that the watching world sees our foundational joy and peace and longs to discover the reasons that we have for the joy that we have, the reasons we have for the peace that we have. Even through our heartaches and pain, may his blessing on our lives shine through because we experience and know his very presence with us. We experience his face shining upon us. And praise God, our joy has a name. Our peace has a name. Our hope has a name. And at his name one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Embracing the nation-reaching foundational purposes of God for their joy and his glory in this prayer changes us. To the degree that we embrace this foundational purpose of God in this prayer, to that degree we will be changed radically into outward-focusing, others-centred, risk-taking Christians so inflamed with overwhelming joy in Christ ourselves that we cannot but be moved to share him with others. Let me ask you, do you feel this call in your soul to pray for this and like this? Do you think we as a church have this fire in our hearts to see the nations one for Christ? for their everlasting joy and his eternal praise. We are called here to embrace the gracious foundation of this prayer and as we do, we will instinctively want to engage with God and see him gloriously fulfilling this prayer, which is where we go in verses 3 and 5. May the peoples praise you, God. May the nations, may the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May, the, may all the peoples praise you. You can see in the yellow on the slide behind me, I think the heartbeat of this part of the prayer, and it is this. Mission exists because true Worldwide worship of God does not. Notice the passionate repetition. May the peoples praise you, verse 3, verse 5. And they bracket the heart of the prayer in verse 4. But notice what he prays. He does not merely pray, Lord, save the people, which of course is included. We get that from the end of verse 2, so that your salvation 
may be known amongst the nations. He is praying for their salvation, but his prayer specifically is, may the peoples praise you. May they be released from their bondage and their misery to hallow your name on earth as it is in heaven. Notice the passionate longing, not just the repetition in verses 3 and 5, but notice the passionate longing. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. You don't need to spend much time in front of your TV screens or listening to news bulletins to know that the nations are anything but glad. They're not glad, are they? The nations of the world are not glad and they're not singing for joy. Why? Because the nations are not praising him. Why? Because the nations are not obeying him as their king and following him as their shepherd. Is the Lord Jesus, who said to his disciples in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me, is Jesus king of all nations right now? Not a hard question. The answer is yes. He is the king of all nations. Right now, he is reigning as king. Is the Lord Jesus, in whom is all authority in heaven and earth, guiding the nations as the shepherd? In other words, is he in charge of world events? He's reigning the nations and he's guiding the nations in his perfect will. Are the peoples of the world praising him with joy because of these two realities, that he's king and shepherd over them? Are they experiencing the joy of that? No. I want you to see in this psalm, which dropped in like a lead, dropped in like a ton weight on my soul, there is a powerful connection in this psalm between the glory of God and the joy of the nations. The nations must learn to praise Him and experience his joy, as we do. Because to the degree that they are enjoying God, to that degree he is glorified. His name is being hallowed on earth as it is in heaven. And I want us to feel the glory and the wonder of that, that there is not a disconnect at all between God's glory and the nation's joy. The two things go together. You, I, you know this for yourself, don't you? When you've experienced God's blessing upon your life in a particular way and you are filled with joy, you are praising him. Are you not? Naturally, instinctively. You are glorifying him better when you are enjoying him more. The more you enjoy God, the more you glorify him. That's what we're to pray for the nations. And I want us as a church to get the fire of this to, and to engage with God to see him winning the nations for Christ. Let me just make some applications at this point before we move to conclusion. I want to make it as a church, our 2020 prayer goal for us as a church, to have a growing passion 
for the spread of the gospel to all peoples, locally, nationally, and internationally. I want us to be a church that is passionately sending and supporting missionaries from this church to reach the world for Christ in the power of the Spirit. I praise God for the work that the mission team are doing, for reminding us and calling us to pray regularly, for the events that we're putting on locally, the, the, the meetings that we're running, inviting folk to come, the light party, brilliant. Praise God for that. Praise God for the work of the Need Project. And I really, in, in, it, that has been an answer to prayer, to see us as a church wanting to engage with our neighbours for Christ with the gospel. Praise God for that. And by the way, you don't need me to tell you, Christmas is just around the corner. I know you can't wait for the Christmas music to be played in Tesco's. It won't be long. And there's great gospel opportunities for Mission Local over Christmas. There'll be a leaflet going out. There'll be, so if, you, if, you, if you'd like to sign up to help deliver leaflets across the, the, our community, please do. Please see Catherine. If the young people would like to get involved and do it as a Friday night project or something or other, please see Catherine. We need to get these leaflets out when Ben produces them. I need to get the writing checked and spell checked and all the rest of it. I've got people asking because my use of the English language in written form has reputations that need to be put right before, them, before the leaflet goes out. Let me ask you to say, so please be in prayer for those things. But also, do you know where the largest Muslim population in the United Kingdom is outside of London? Luton. The largest population of Muslims who do not know Christ outside of London is Luton. And I've got someone I know... Uh, who's a missionary to the Muslims in Luton. And he said, if anyone from your church would, love to, would like to meet with me and meet my friend, the imam, and have a tour of the mosque and get in conversation with them, he's happy to arrange that. If, you'd like, if you're interested in that, just meeting these Muslims who don't know Jesus but are very, very keen to meet with Christians and have a good conversation about Jesus, I can, I can arrange that. That's something to think about. We are meeting as church officers next, Friday, next Saturday. We praise God that the Lord has made his will clear in calling Tim to minister amongst us, and he's beginning that his, his ministry amongst us in January. Um, but one of the things I want us to do as, as elders and deacons is to think about and pray through this particular issue. How can we as a church, and we as leaders of church, encourage us to become more passionately engaged in world mission? Have any of you been blessed with a smartphone? Hands up if you've been blessed with a smartphone. Okay. I would strongly encourage you to get and download Operation World onto your phone. It's a free app. And Operation World, it gives you the nations of the world to pray for on a daily basis. And I've asked Joe Ward to come and share with us this morning the nation that we're encouraged to pray for in Operation World. And and Joe's going to tell us a bit about the nation we're to pray for, then he's going to pray for them, then he's going to sit down. Aren't you, Joe? In that order. Thank you. So just to explain the app, I've got really old phones, it might take a while. So basically when, when the app comes up, there are three topics. It shows you a world map. And it highlights the, the uh, country in red. So if you're not sure which one you're praying for, it's in red. It's the only part in red. 
Three topics, it says prayer, stats, and more. So those of you who are on your knees for three hours rather than 20 seconds, there is longer you can pray for. And this will be the only time you can legally get your phone out in church. So while I'm doing this, if you want to download the um, Operation, Operation World, it's in front of me, Operation World app, this is the only chance you'll get to take your handset out. So if you want to do it, enjoy it. So let me read what it says, and then we'll pray. It says Russia. The Russian Orthodox Church survived communism, and it remains the one major symbol of Russian integrity. It sees itself as the preserver of a great Christian civilization handed down from Rome and Byzantium. It endured terrible persecution, along with other Christian groups, between 1920 and 1990, when up to 200,000 Christian leaders died as martyrs. Pray that all that is best about Orthodox's thousand-year history will thrive and influence culture and society. Pray the Russian Orthodox Church will make peace with other Christian groups and will stop any activity to suppress or harm them. Pray for the renewal movements within Russian Orthodoxy and for fresh outreach to the Russian people. Russian Orthodoxy is culturally strong but spiritually weak in the lives of most of its followers. So now you can turn your phone off and we're going to pray. Is that fair enough? So Father, we do thank you for um, groups like Operation World that are passionate, Father, to get the gospel into other nations. Well, Lord, we've got such an advantage in the West where we're free just to be able to open one of our many Bibles on our shelves, to be able to pray, read a Bible on a train, to be able to talk to our friends at work. And, and yes, more recently, there's persecution as a result of that. But Father, we're so free to be able to do that. And we do pray, Lord God, for the Russian Orthodox Church. As it was just saying here, they've got such an influence, but the heart of the gospel seems to be missing. The passionate heart of the, the salvation that comes from Christ seems to be uh, more overshadowed by rituals and, and religious symbols and that type of thing. And we pray, Father, that you will raise up people within the Orthodox Church who will breathe life into it by the power of your Holy Spirit. Men and women of God, children, young people, Father, in schools and colleges who will be able to be influential, Father, into the next generation of Russian people. That, Lord, it won't just be where they're brought up in the religion of the nation, but they'll begin to experience, Father, the passionate heartbeat of the gospel, Lord, for the name of Jesus' sake. And we ask you, Father God, that just as Bob's saying, that we as a church will gain that desire, Father, to see the nations of the world come to know you in the tiny little areas we can do practically, Lord, but also the passionate power of being able to pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So we're going to pray for Russia tonight in the prayer meeting as well. Um, and I'd like to include a time of Sunday mornings uh, that we pray for the nation just like that we've just done that now I'd, I'd encourage us to get all get involved in that thank you mission exists because true worldwide worship of god does not and god is calling us to be engaged in his nation winning mission for his glory and their joy but what's the connection between world mission and a harvest thanksgiving service like this. Could you flick the slide on for me, please? Thank you. Again, look at verses 6 through 7. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still, so that the ends of the earth will fear him. What you see on the table before you is a miracle of God's faithfulness and boundless generosity. 
the land yields its harvest. The land has once again supernaturally done what the Lord has decreed it would. The land has yielded its harvest. That's a supernatural miracle. No one can explain why a seed that dies and falls into the ground germinates. No one can. It's a miracle. And that miracle happens across this planet year in, year out. And it's a miracle that we have food to eat and to spare. And God blesses us with food and to spare so that we can become a blessing to others and help feed our hungry neighbours. And so what the psalmist does in this psalm is show us that the harvest is a sign of God's faithfulness and a foretaste of the reality that one day all the ends of the earth will be saved. All the peoples will be one day eternally glad and sing for joy. They will be filled with praise to him and they will be awestruck by his grace and love and mercy and worth. May the nations, may the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. (coughs) Mission exists because the true worldwide worship of God doesn't. We have been blessed to be a blessing to all peoples. So as I close, I want to leave you with this question. What are you going to do with this psalm from now on? Let us pray. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Father in heaven, we thank and praise you that you have richly and in multiple ways, been gracious to us and blessed us. And we know and enjoy times of deep refreshing from your presence amongst us. But I've been convicted this week, Lord, because there's a huge so that in this psalm. So that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation amongst the nations. Father, please share with us all, not just our praise, please receive our praise and our thanksgiving for your blessing upon us, but please inspire us with your passion to see the nations one for Christ, for their joy and your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please, uh, we'll conclude our service by the musicians lead us in the closing song, Forever, which will come upon the screen behind.